Welcome to the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204. I'm your host, Ariel Epstein, taking you through the next three hours here on the morning after on Sports Grid. I am so excited to start week three of the NFL season. Here's why it's fun. We're going to have two different weeks where we can compare stats to. You're starting to really get a good idea for some of these teams. How much are we overreacting? How much are we underreacting? How much are certain teams as legit as we think they are? There is a team that's going to be in action tonight that's looked really legit defensively, and that's been the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are on the road at the Houston Texans. Injuries galore that are hurting the Texans, especially to their quarterback, who's now on the IR, and Terod Taylor. Left hamstring soreness or tightness. And now we're going to get to watch another rookie start a game in the 2021 NFL season. So we start week three of the NFL. We've got Major League Baseball recaps to get to and some great guests throughout the next three hours here on the show. Right now, my co-host, Ben Stevens. Ben, good morning to you and happy Football Thursday. A great Football Thursday indeed, Ariel. A good Thursday morning to you as well. New York City's newest resident, Ariel Epstein. By the way, it will be a very exciting Thursday night of football, and I can't believe I'm saying that for a matchup between the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans. The first NFL career start for Houston starter tonight, Davis Mills, the rookie out of Stanford, a third-round draft pick in this past 2021 NFL draft, and he has a very tough task ahead of him tonight facing the Carolina Panthers, who keep pounding on the defensive side of the ball early on through the first two weeks of this NFL campaign. Boom. Thank you very much. That will be not the last you hear of me saying keep pounding throughout this program today on the morning after across our three hours of this show. But the Carolina Panthers have the best scoring defense so far in the NFL this year, allowing only an average of 10.5 points per game. The best rushing defense in the NFL so far this year, allowing just 46.5 rushing yards per game to their opponent. It is a very tall task for Davis Mills and the Houston Texans offense tonight in Ariel. We have already seen a little bit this morning in the last hour, hour and a half or so, a small bit of movement on the line for tonight. The spread has stayed the same since earlier this week. Seven and a half in favor of the road team tonight in the Carolina Panthers. But the total, which was already small at 43 and a half, tied for the second lowest total of the entire week three NFL slate, down to 43 this morning. So an ugly defensive battle possibly on Thursday night football on a short week for a rookie quarterback making his first career NFL start. That might be an indication when you look at that total of 53 tonight. I'm not going to stop giving you crap for not watching any of the Davis Mills games from his college career. I'm still waiting for the analysis. I would like to hear what Big Ten Ben likes to say about a quarterback that came out of college. I do have a take ready to go. However, if Davis Mills somehow does pull off the upset tonight at home in Houston, if you remember two weeks ago, Clay Helton, the USC former head coach, was fired (laughs) after losing to Stanford. Sam Darnold was Clay Helton's biggest quarterback at USC. If he loses his first game in a Carolina Panthers uniform to a Stanford alum and Davis Mills, maybe there's some interconnection there we need to dissect. Okay, I like the connection. Sounds like a Jack Weinberger cap. We've got to make sure that we have some more breakdowns coming up. But, of course, the story being that it's going to be a rookie quarterback up against this really tough Carolina Panthers defense. This line opened at Carolina minus 4.5. Now it's up to 7.5. Welcome to our Sports Grid radio audience. First hour of the morning after, Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Ben, throughout his entire career, Terod Taylor has been overlooked. Now, he started his career in Baltimore as a backup quarterback, 
He ends up going to Buffalo. He makes a playoff game with Buffalo, thanks to the Ravens losing to Cincinnati. I'm not still bitter. And then he goes over now to Houston. And granted, he was with L.A. for the Chargers for one game. However, he comes over to Houston. Everyone doubting this Texans team. Everyone saying no to Sean Watson. Houston's going to be terrible. Houston's going to be the worst team in football. Yet to Rod Taylor, still worth three points to odds makers with this line moving from minus four and a half Carolina to minus seven and a half, seven and a half ever since Terod Taylor was announced out. He's now on the IR, left hamstring soreness or tightness, and now you're going to have to face a rookie quarterback. So how much do you believe that Terod Taylor is worth those three full points? Oh, I certainly do because the Houston Texans look really good with Terod Taylor so far this season. Think about this. Carolina is unbeaten this year straight up. 2-0 straight up in their game so far. Also 2-0 against the spread, as are the Houston Texans. Both Carolina and Houston, two of the remaining five NFL teams that are a perfect 2-0 against the spread so far this NFL season. Only five teams remain unbeaten against the spread in the 2021 NFL campaign through two weeks. It normally should be a little bit more added to that depth in terms of teams remaining unbeaten against the spread this early on on in a season and that's what Carolina has been able to do that's what Houston has been able to do covering big numbers against them as underdogs so I agree with the movement there because when you have a rookie quarterback on short weeks notice being a starter in his first NFL career start against a Carolina defense that is the best scoring defense in the NFL so far who has feasted against a rookie quarterback early on in this season in their week one opener against Zach Wilson they sacked Zach six times Ariel they had four sacks last week as well did Carolina against Jameis Winston and the New Orleans Saints 10 total sacks through two games I think they are going to be licking their chops tonight that defensive front Brian Burns especially trying to get to the rookie quarterback in Davis Mills of course I looked for Davis Mills to throw an interception prop and it was already at minus 215 last night yeah that's not going to happen when I say not going to happen I mean I'm not going to bet it it probably will happen coming up next we're going to talk some more NFL headlines and how it impacted the odds coming up for week three stay on the grid sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com on the morning after on sports grid you're listening on sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein ben it finally happened the chicago bears manned up and they gave you what you wanted it is week three you hit your under by the way i'm pretty sure that we listed this at a three and a half i think three and a half four, four and, and a half, half but still uh, four and a half but still half. counts Oh, yeah. over under four and a half weeks into the season where Justin Fields was going to make his start in the NFL. And he's going to do it this weekend. Now, the odds are up and the odds do have the Chicago Bears as seven point dogs at the Cleveland Browns. The total 45 and a half. Ben, what did you see in any line movement or anything about this game that makes you change your thoughts now that we are confirmed it is Justin Fields? 
Well, it's very interesting, right? We looked at this line earlier in the week, and we thought, how is this going to change if slash when Justin Fields was going to be named the starter for this game in Cleveland week number three? Because it did not seem like Andy Dalton was going to be able to go. And then Dr. David Chow on Tuesday morning on this show said, there's no chance Andy's playing this week. It's not as severe as they might have thought, only a bone bruise, but he's not playing this week. So how is that line going to move? We guess, would it actually work in the favor of Cleveland? Would it go up from seven and a half to eight? eight and a half maybe even nine it opened at nine and a half on the look ahead line prior to the week two action getting done and completed in fact it's worked in chicago's favor and it's worked in chicago's favor by nearly 50 cents on the money line as well now the total has dropped on the fanduel sportsbook from 46 and a half where it opened down to 45 and a half right now and I guess that makes a little bit of sense. Maybe Matt Nagy is a little bit conservative in his offensive approach with Justin Fields, although I do not think he should be because Justin Fields is tailor-made to run this offense that Matt Nagy wants to run for the Chicago Bears. So when you look at Justin Fields so far, he came in for the injured Andy Dalton against the Bengals last week at home at Soldier Field. When you look at the stat line itself, 6 of 13, 60 yards in an interception. He did carry the ball 10 times for 31 yards on the ground, showing that versatility with his legs. It's not the prettiest stat line ever, and that interception looked terrible. But he had a couple of really good throws that were dropped by his wide receivers, mainly Allen Robinson. That should have been a 35-yard touchdown strike. That being said, if you thought I was unbearable talking about Justin Fields before, <laughs> just wait now because Sunday is going to be a show for Justin Fields. I truly believe in what this young quarterback can do. Chicago's offense has been a bottom five total offense in the league so far this year, only averaging just about 264 yards per game. Again, that's bottom five in the offensive ranks right now across the entire league. I think Justin Fields is that guy to accelerate things in motion for the Chicago Bears. Now, Matt Nagy still said yesterday and reiterated that when Andy Dalton is healthy, he's our starter, blah, blah, blah. Matt, just shut up, please, for once. Because when you look at the comparison here, Matt Nagy was the offensive coordinator in Kansas City when the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes. And everybody compared Justin Fields to Patrick Mahomes and the idea that he should sit for a year and learn and develop behind Andy Dalton. You look at that Chiefs offense under Alex Smith. It didn't do much. When you had Patrick Mahomes take over the reins, that is when this offense became explosive in what we have seen today that transcends anything that has happened in the NFL before. I'm not saying Justin Fields does that week number one or now week number three against the Cleveland Browns, but I think it can start to get to that point. Justin Fields right now is 4-1 to one when the Offensive Rookie of the Year in the NFL on the FanDuel Sportsbook. He has the second shortest odds at plus 400 behind Mac Jones, who is the favorite right now at plus 300. Grab the plus 400 right now because I think Justin Fields is going to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year, and this is the time for your value. Chicago, you have your new starting quarterback. I knew that you've been waiting for this moment for a long time. There's really nothing that I can do or say after what you just said. It was great, and it was entertaining, and I agree. There was absolutely no reason for Justin Fields to have to sit and learn behind Andy Dalton. If anything, it was just a matter of Justin Fields getting comfortable, seeing the speed of the game on the field, seeing it in practice, and learning the playbook more. Now we'll see if he has what it takes to make it in the NFL, and they'll probably give him more than just one week's time to do it. Once you do it, you can't go backwards. Now Chicago just has to stick with Justin Fields as their quarterback or else they will really mess things up for themselves. Now a team that has messed things up for themselves now is the Miami Dolphins. Their quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, is ruled out for this week. 
Miami is going to start Jacoby Brissett under center against the Vegas Raiders. Ben, this was another game that we were looking at earlier in the week where we said, okay, this line now moved because Derek Carr, also the quarterback for Vegas, has been a little banged up. Vegas was minus yep. one and a half on the look-ahead line. It moved to minus four and a half with the injury news to Tua Tungavailoa, moved to minus three and a half with the news to Tungavailoa and to Derek Carr. Now that line's back to minus four and a half Vegas. The total has dropped also, 45 and a half down to 44 and a half. Ben, you said it. You said you better jump on the line, minus three and a half if you want it because it's going backwards to four and a half. And Tua Tungavailoa is officially ruled out for this week's game, Ben. And Jacoby Brissett does have that NFL starting experience, so you can take a little bit of comfort in that. But what exactly will he look like in this Miami Dolphins offense who put up zero points last week against the Buffalo Bills? And the Raiders have been a pretty good defense so far this year, a top 10 scoring defense in the NFL. So when you look at what the Raiders have, and when you look at what the Dolphins have, let's first start with that quarterback position, obviously. And Derek Carr was questionable, but he was a full participant at practice yesterday on Wednesday. And that Raiders offense that has thrown for 408 and a half yards per game so far this season has been prolific. And that Raiders front seven has been attacking quarterbacks, racking up sacks with guys like Max Crosby getting off the line and looking ferocious. And now you look at the Raiders. Their team win total live on the FanDuel Sportsbook is eight and a half. The over has the juice. The Dolphins team win total is nine and a half. The under has the juice at minus 130. When you look at their odds in comparison to win their respective divisions, Miami is tied for the second shortest odds to win the AFC East with the New England Patriots behind the Buffalo Bills at plus 370. The Raiders still have the longest odds to win the AFC West, but that number has become increasingly shorter and shorter after this 2-0 start for Vegas. It's plus 800, but Ariel, the Raiders actually have better odds to make the playoffs right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook than do the Miami Dolphins. The Raiders are just plus 110. The Dolphins are plus 120. So there's a little bit more optimism about the Raiders, and now that line has moved back up to four and a half I still think it's a good number on the Raiders at home I also think we might be getting a buy low spot on that number of 45 and a half now for the total now down to 44 and a half I believe on the FanDuel Sportsbook if you don't want to take the game total overall I would look at the Raiders team total because they have been able to put up points this year against a good Steelers defense last week. They scored 26. They had 33 in that overtime thriller against the Baltimore Ravens on that opening Monday night of the season. The Dolphins have a really good defense, but I still think that offense for the Dolphins is going to be lacking. The worst scoring offense so far this season, Ariel, only averaging eight and a half points per game. And now you have a new quarterback in Jacoby Brissett. I'm not sure how they generate the offense. The Raiders, though, I think could still be pretty good with Derek Carr. Raiders, as long as Derek Carr is healthy enough to throw the deep ball and continue connecting with his tight end, then they should be okay. Josh Jacobs, also another injury to keep an eye on. He did miss last week for the Raiders, their running back. Uh, another injury to keep a look at, uh, it's the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, who has a pectoral strain. Uh, he's The line has moved on this pec strain. For, it's just like so funny to say. Uh, but Brooke Pryor, who does report on the team, ESPN. She said that Ben Roethlisberger says he doesn't know how the injury happened, just that it was early in the game, feels pain when he reaches or gets up off the ground, says it's bothering him during the game. Here's the problem. The Steelers' offense has also been struggling. Now, you could say, well, the Steelers have won. Okay, that's cool, except that Pittsburgh can't throw the ball. And their run game still has a rookie running back, Najee Harris. This line moved from Pittsburgh minus four and a half all the way down to minus three. The total dropped by a point as well, 44 and a half to 43 and a half. Then clearly the money not buying that Big Ben is healthy enough to really play this game well. 
he's going to do everything he can, but there are so many injuries for the Pittsburgh Steelers. On the defense as well, Deontay Johnson, their leading receiver this year, did not practice yesterday. He has seven more targets than any other Steelers wide receiver up until this point of the season. Leads them in yards as well. It's going to be a struggle for Pittsburgh on Sunday. This could be a time to jump in on the Bengals or maybe look to that total as well. I would look to tease this game also with Cincinnati, get it through the key numbers of three and seven. Coming up next, Major League Baseball recaps from a gambling perspective. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Pretty sure every day I just get onto Twitter and I see another tweet that mentions the St. Louis Cardinals may never lose again. The St. Louis mm-hmm. Cardinals went for their 12th win in a row yesterday, and it was or or no, sorry, they're going for it today. Excuse me. And yesterday, yeah. that final score for St. Louis was 10 to two over Milwaukee. St. Louis was still a road dog at plus 112, and today they're going for their 12th straight against the Brewers. That game will take place at 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. They have not won 12 straight games since 1982, according to the sweep by ESPN Stats and Info. And when they went on to win the World Series, that was the last time they did it, 1982, on a 12-straight uh game-winning streak. Now, Adam Wainwright, who's a pitcher for the Cardinals, was one years old in 1982, and he gets the start for St. Louis today, which is absolutely crazy. St. Louis is currently sitting there in that National League wildcard picture at the second uh, second wildcard spot. So four and a half games back, Cincinnati and Philly. They have made a huge push for this second wildcard spot, Ben, and only about three series left of the regular season. And Uncle Chuck takes the mound today in Milwaukee with a 16-7 and record this year and a 2.89 ERA. I'm talking about Uncle Charlie. Uncle Chuck, Adam Wainwright is also how he is known. He has been outstanding this year and has a chance to give the Cardinals their 12th straight win at the tender age of 40 years old. He has been the Cards' best pitcher this year. A starting staff that includes Jack Flaherty, who has been battling injuries, but don't fear when you have a 40-year-old and Uncle Charlie. But let's recap last night. 11 straight wins for the St. Louis Cardinals, tied for their longest winning streak of the 21st century. They also did it 20 years ago in 2001. And now they have a four-and-a-half game lead with that second and final NL wildcard spot area. Like you mentioned, there's only about 10 or 11 games left in this Major League Baseball season four and a half game lead is a lot of ground to make up for Philly for Cincy the San Diego Padres who we'll discuss here in just a moment and look at the odds for the Cardinals right now to win the National League pennant they are down all the way to 13 to 1 the five leaders the five best odds for the National League pennant right now on FanDuel are going to be the five playoff teams that we will see in the National League it is reflective of what that postseason picture looks like in the NL at the moment. In St. Louis, at 13-1, to their odds have been getting cut drastically pretty much on a 24-hour basis. Just yesterday, they were 21-1. to 
Last Wednesday, Ariel, they were 55 to 1. Just about a week ago, they were plus 5,500 to win the National League pennant. They had the longest odds out of all four teams we have discussed that are in that National League wild card race. The Philadelphia Phillies, the San Diego Padres, and the Cincinnati Reds, this time last week, had better odds than the St. Louis Cardinals, who are now 13 to 1 to win the NL pennant. An 11 game winning streak. The Redbirds have gotten red hot, and they have a chance to win 12 straight with their best pitcher, a 16-game winner, and Adam Wainwright on the bump today in Milwaukee. It's two different races in the National League. You've got the National League West, which is also tied to the number one wild card spot who gets the home field advantage in a winner-take-all wild card game. So there's that. That's between the Giants and the Dodgers. Then there's the rest of the race, like we just mentioned, with the Cardinals, the Reds, the Phillies. This wild card, or excuse me, this National League West race is insane. Now, yesterday, the Los Angeles Dodgers lost a game on the Giants. The Dodgers are now two games back of the San Francisco Giants, and San Francisco got an 8-6 win over the Padres. The spread, or excuse me, the money line, by the way, was Giants minus 104 on FanDuel, where it closed. Padres were slight home favorites at minus 112. Still, the book is undervaluing the best team in baseball. A.J. Casavell, who covers the team, at MLB.com, he said, if there were any faint lingering hopes of a Padres comeback following their weekend in St. Louis, those have seemingly been extinguished over these past two nights. Fernando Tatis Jr., who hit 40, who hit his number 40 home run uh, last night, he remains a special, special player, though. That was the exact tweet. So basically, he's saying that Fernando Tatis Jr. is Shohei Otani, where they're on two different teams that just continue to lose games. The Padres were supposed to be the San Francisco Giants of this year. That is what we were expecting. Then out of nowhere, here come the Giants. Ben, I still can't believe that, one, the Giants have a two-game lead now on the Dodgers, but, two, that the Dodgers were still underdogs going into San Diego. Can't believe it either as well. The San Francisco Giants now minus 200 to win the NL West on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The longest odds we have seen in the minus 20 category for the Giants all season long, Ariel. L.A. plus 175. L.A. ends their series at Coors Field this afternoon. A lot of day baseball on this Thursday. The Giants and the Padres in a good one in San Diego, but it has not been good for San Diego here over the last month, really since the middle portion of August. On August 10th, Ariel, the San Diego Padres were 66 and 49 overall, 17 games above 500, seeming like a team that if they were not going to contend for the NLS, well, probably going to be in the National League playoff picture, right? Out of that wild card spot. Since that point on August 10th, the Padres are 10 and 26. You look at their record in the month of September, just 5 and 12, and they have lost 10 of their last 12 games. The Padres are in a slump in the absolute worst way. The only bright spot for San Diego is the young gun, Fernando Tatis Jr., hitting his 40th home run yesterday, becoming the 10th player in Major League Baseball history, age 22 or younger, to hit 40 home runs in a single season. His odds to win the National League MVP not working in his favor. Plus 165 right now. Bryce Harper is the odds-on favorite at minus 195. There's a world, Ariel, a very likely world, where the two MVPs of both leagues, the American League and the National League, Shohei Otani for the AL, Bryce Harper or Fernando Tatis Jr. in the NL, don't make the playoffs. 
That's pretty sad stuff, but it's really bad right now for San Diego, losing 10 of their last 12 games, trying to avoid a sweep at home against the San Francisco Giants today, the best team in all of baseball. A great pitching matchup in San Diego we'll talk about later. Logan Webb on one side for SF. For San Diego, it's Hugh Darvish. Hoping a buck, a little bit of a trend, but the Padres now six games back of the Cardinals for that second and final NL wildcard spot. I don't think they have any hope. I think it just started downpouring outside. I think. Oh. I don't know. I like we're in a dark room, but I, it sounded really bad out there. Speaking of, thank goodness the New York Yankees got their games underway yesterday, and the Yankees end up sweeping the Texas Rangers. They get the win in 7-3 yesterday. They were heavy favorites at minus 275. That's now three wins in a row for the Yankees for their first day off in nearly three weeks. Thank goodness, because watching Yankees games are painful. The team that has the most games that are decided by two runs or less. If you're a Yankees fan, you decide to be put on something very, very strong or drink something really, really strong because that's just how the season feels. Now, a look at the wild card race in the American League because this one is just crazy. You've got three teams in the American League East that are competing for wild card spots. The Red Sox have a two-game lead into first place of the wild card, so they currently have home field advantage. The Yankees now have a half game on the Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto then being a half game back into that third spot. Ben, with the Yankees beating Texas, I'm not sitting here and overreacting. Texas is a bad team. In fact, Texas gets to play the Orioles. That's a great series to watch, guys. The Yankees beating Texas doesn't tell me anything about how good the Yankees are. It's just saying, okay, at least they're keeping themselves alive in this race. And the FanDuel Sportsbook, Ariel, agrees with you because despite the fact that the New York Yankees now hold that second and final AL wildcard spot if the season were to end today, the Yankees out of these three teams we are discussing, Toronto, Boston, and New York, have the longest odds in the AL pennant race on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now. Toronto, actually, who is outside of the playoff picture right now looking in, has the best odds to win the AL pennant on FanDuel at plus 750. The Boston Red Sox, who have won seven straight games, are plus 850. The New York Yankees three out of three at plus 1200 to win the American League pennant right now and we referenced that because without make or miss playoff odds up on the FanDuel Sportsbook that's how you can conceptualize thing looking at that American League playoff race so what does this all mean New York finally gets a day off their first one in over three weeks and it's a good thing they get the day off because they need to rest and recuperate because their final stretch their final three series of this Major League Baseball season on the road this weekend at Fenway against the heated rivals of the Boston Red Sox. On the road against the Toronto Blue Jays. And they end it at home back up in the Bronx at Yankee Stadium against the Tampa Bay Rays. It is a grueling, grueling stretch for the Yankees if they want to make the postseason. At least right now they have a half game cushion. They're going to need all half of that game because the final three series are daunting for the pinstripes. Yeah, well... It's also going to be really tough if you've got to take a winner-take-all wildcard game in Fenway Park against Chris Sale. The Boston Red mm. Sox pitcher, five innings pitched, six hits, two earned runs, two walks, and eight strikeouts. The Boston Red Sox did end up getting the win yesterday. Uh, yes. Yeah, there it is. 12-5. 12 to 5. The Red Sox end up winning. Minus 180 on the money line is where that one ended. The New York Mets just completely imploding. I feel really terrible for a lot of Mets fans. I'm sitting here complaining as a Yankees fan, and here the Yankees are still competing for a wild card spot. Those poor New York Mets. A month ago, you thought you guys were on the biggest hot streak of the season. You guys were going to be the St. Louis Cardinals, and you were going to make the World Series. 
Oh, you poor Mets fans. But here you are, Red Sox fans. Thought your series was dead about a month ago. The Red Sox looked terrible after the All-Star break. They were outside of the wild card race. It was the Yankees. It was the Blue Jays. It wasn't the Red Sox for a very long time. Here the Red Sox are two games into the number one wild card spot with about three series to go, Ben. Red hot Red Sox, seven straight wins and a great sign for postseason action, specifically that winner take all AL wildcard game with what Chris Sale has been doing. Five and oh this year in his return to Major League Baseball action in over two years. Five and oh with a two five seven ERA yesterday against the New York Mets. Five innings pitched, only allowed two earned runs, had eight strikeouts going over his K-prop of six and a half that had plus money on it. Boston, a two-game lead in the American League wildcard picture, and they lead that season series, Ariel, against the Yankees, who they play this weekend, 10-6. to 10-6 and six against the Yankees so far this year. Oof, what a series to watch. Coming up next, MLB insider Craig Mish from here on Sports Grid. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I don't think that they wanted the the dialogue to be, hey, should we go back to Cam Newton, right? Instead, we're going to give him the keys to the car. But I was pretty shocked that they said, you know what, we're going to cut bait and we're going to we're just going to go with uh, with big old Mac Jones. Who? Who? Cast off. Mac Jones. Who? Hey, cast off. Mac Jones. Who? Uh, cast off. Mac Jones. Who? Okay, cast off. The Sports Grid Network. Morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now, you can catch him here on the grid on FST and noon Eastern time. It is MLB insider and fantasy expert Craig Mish. Craig, thanks for joining us this week. All right, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Looking forward to tonight's game and the weekend. Thursday night football, Carolina Panthers, road favorites at the Houston Texans, laying seven and a half points. When you see a touchdown spread, especially for a road favorite, especially for a team going up against a rookie quarterback making his debut, Craig, how do you approach props and daily fantasy when you think there's a chance there could be a blowout? Wait a second. I thought we were doing Marshall Appalachian State. That's what you told me coming into the show. No, I'm just kidding. If you um, want to. Oh, yeah, no, not re- not not really. I'm waiting for Props those really only, good though. college games. When when do those games, Ben, start? The real good ones in college on Thursday. I mean, it's got to be soon, right? I mean, we, we really like later happened. October when you get some of those conference battles that they put earlier in the week. But I, listen, Craig, I'm not going to knock Marshall Appalachian State. I think it could be fun to watch Chase Bryce tonight. But anyway, Thursday night football, NFL edition. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, look, th this is, you know, you know, clearly any anybody who says they really have an idea on this game is, is sort of kidding themselves a little bit because we, we really have not seen enough of Davis Mills, in my opinion, to, you know, make a formalized opinion of him. And, and not to mention any extensive viewing that you've seen of this quarterback simply goes back to last year's five game sample where he started. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know really what to expect. I watched him play last week in the second half of that game against Cleveland. The first series looked like an absolute disaster, almost as if they may have just told him, "Like, hey, you're going into play," because that's what it looked like on the first series. And then he got pretty comfortable, and he was slinging it around a little bit to some of his receivers and cooks, and and they stayed in the game against Cleveland. We, I, I haven't seen enough of the Browns to know if their defense is just not as good as it was last year because it does not appear to be. So for me, this is obviously a really tough game to call. I participate in in the contest, like the Super Contest and the Golden Nugget, and I pick games against the spread. And Ariel, this is just one that uh, that I'm going to pass on tonight. Craig, when you have something like that, when it's hard to pick a side over a touchdown favorite on a short week on a Thursday, I think the prop market does provide some edges and opportunities. And in my mind, I look at the prop market for the Carolina Panthers tonight, and there are so many things that I love. Who are a couple of players you might want to target in the prop market for Thursday night football? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the one that I would say that, that I probably like the most of all in, in looking at it the last couple of days would be Robbie Anderson's receiving yards total of over 44 and a half. I, I mean, in general, when a player, I mean, I haven't heard Anderson complaining, so I want to be clear on that. But in general, when a player of Anderson's caliber doesn't do anything for a couple of weeks, you would expect Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, and Matt Rule, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, to go back into the room with the offensive coordinators, back into the room with the receivers and quarterbacks, and say, hey, this guy is also a big part of our team, and we have to find a way after two weeks to get him the ball. And remember, Anderson is that guy that can just go over that total on one catch. So I know DJ Moore is probably a better receiver. I think that's fair to say. Uh, but but I, I think tonight Anderson will be more heavily involved in the offense. It may only be three catches, Ben, for 60 yards. But I, I that's the one in particular that stands out to me. Very similar to Evans last week with Tampa Bay. All of a sudden they're like, oh, we got to get this guy the ball. I think that happens tonight with Anderson. I agree with you. Robbie Anderson's the player I'm targeting also, which we'll get to those a little bit later in the show. However, I do want to switch this conversation over to the Carolina Panthers defense. The defense has had a great couple of weeks. They're a top five unit in the first two weeks of the season. How much are you buying that this Panthers defense is as legit as they've looked so far? Well, their head coach is a defensive coach and Matt Rule, so this shouldn't surprise anyone. I think Carolina, I mean, it's hard to say they're the best coach team in the NFL because there have been coaches around a lot longer than Matt Rule and Joe Brady. But in terms of young coaching staffs, I may put this at number one. So it doesn't surprise me at all. I thought last year through the first eight, nine games that Carolina looked like one of the most improved teams in the league. And then all of a sudden, it became painfully obvious once they lost McCaffrey that all you got to do is basically target, uh, you know, Bridgewater. And then that was the end of the story. I think the same thing's going to happen in Denver this year, too. Once teams start losing players, it's very easy to hone in on a guy like Teddy B. I think that's why they moved on from him is, is the game plan just completely changed. They shut him down. He didn't look like the same guy. So I, I, I think the defense, Ariel, is legitimate. They actually had a great matchup tonight uh, on Thursday Night Football against a rookie quarterback. 
but uh, you know, not knowing the dynamic as to really what Mills brings to the table has me sort of a little bit iffy. I usually love defenses at home as big favorites, not on the road. Sam Darnold has been great this year so far, an average of 292 passing yards per game in the first two wins for the Carolina Panthers. I think it has been very helped by the fact that a healthy Christian McCaffrey is back for Carolina as well. He's averaging over 160 total yards per game on offense through these first two games against the Houston defense last year, Craig, that ranked dead last in rushing defense a season ago. What do you see out of Christian McCaffrey tonight against the Texans? Yeah, I, I think that McCaffrey, in, in terms of fantasy, is underrated. In terms of reality, maybe a little bit overrated because, again, his total on Fanduel tonight, I think, for just rushing yards is about 85. So, I, you know, I, I think that that's a fair number, and he doesn't even, even need to go over that to have a huge impact in the game because McCaffrey has, has made us money uh, in DFS and season-long leagues, Ben, and even betting, catching the ball. So... It doesn't look like that has changed. That was a concern with me with Darnold coming in. You never know, is the quarterback going to dump off? And they still are. They're still targeting McCaffrey a ton. So so there'll be a very big impact on tonight's game. Definitely his receptions, I think, are very much in play. But again, going back to the coaching staff, I mean, the reason why Sam Darnold is playing so well is because they have the best offensive coordinator in the NFL. That's not a head coach in Joe Brady. I mean, nobody knew, Ben, as you know, a few years ago, who the bleep Joe Burrow was. It didn't. It, he was a nothing until Joe Brady took that guy over and made him into a star. He did the same thing with Teddy B last year in Carolina as well. I have no doubt that Sam Darnold's going to be a better quarterback in Carolina than he was. Uh, you know, But at the end of the year, Joe Brady's going to leave. He's going to be a head coach in the NFL next season. So Carolina should enjoy it while they can. Yeah, those kinds of things, especially with continuity, it's going to be tough sometimes when you're trying to establish a new offensive system. Craig Mish here from FST joining us on the morning after. Craig, I want to take things to a macro level. Now that we've got two weeks under our belts in the NFL, you've got stats. How much are you looking towards one or two individual prop markets that have really stood out to you throughout these first couple of weeks? Well, I, I think that especially going into a week like this, it, it's not so much uh, the, the data for the entire NFL, but I think that you can zone in a little bit on specific teams in the NFL. And so therefore, like as an example, if you're going over in prop markets, I think that you are targeting the Tennessee Titans defense. I think that you are targeting the Seattle Seahawks, which is a surprise, their defense and, and Minnesota's defense as well. Like those are teams that have just been involved in shootouts two weeks in a row, and I just don't see that changing. So when I'm betting on the over markets, I think that's definitely the way to go. And then the other part of this is that, you know, ball control and teams controlling the clock on offense is going to lead to more positive markets. So teams, I think, on offense, like, as example, Cincinnati, that just keeps continually turning the ball over, that's going to change. I mean, Joe Burrow threw, I think, three straight passes with interceptions and constantly gave the ball back to the Bears. Those things will normal out. So that plus minus in terms of efficiency with turning the ball over, the teams that have turned it the most over in the first two weeks, uh, that's going to normalize with the teams that have the least. And usually that evens out over the course of the season. Craig, you mentioned looking at the overs in the prop markets, but a lot of sharp bettors will tell you the unders in a prop market are really a great way to find your edges as well. Have you looked at any unders that have stood out to you so far in this NFL season? In the prop markets, yeah, I mean, Ben, there's no doubt. And even in the betting markets, too, I, I don't understand. Like, people don't like 
betting unders, but you know, all these lines are always lean toward, you know, no one wants to, to bet an over or an under ever because they want to have fun. They want to see scoring. There, there's no doubt about that. But uh, I, I think that a good market this week in particular would be the New England Patriots because they had so many opportunities last week against the Jets. I think when a team turns the ball over that much, like the Jets did, I mean, how did New England not score 60, honestly, on the Jets last week? A lot of field goals, a lot of short passing. It still feels like Mac Jones and that team are still trying to find their way a little bit. So players like uh, Damian Harris and Jacoby Myers and Mac Jones, like those three on offense, uh, this week in particular, I, I think I would start looking toward unders. Craig, when it comes to these NFL games and primetime versus the full slate on Sunday, how do you change your handicap from handicapping that one primetime game versus having the entire NFL slate to look forward to at 1 and 4 o'clock Eastern time? You know, I'm, I'm so accustomed to these contests. I'm so accustomed to playing in the Super Contest and in the uh, in the Golden Nugget Contest in Vegas. I've been doing this now for a long time. I think for uh, five, six years, something like that, maybe even longer that I know it sounds crazy and, and I know that you know we have an 18 or 24 hour network where we're broadcasting 18 hours and it's boring to pass. I pass a lot on Thursday night because I, I just never want to turn my picks in on Thursday for the entire weekend. So I, I usually end up just looking at the game and if I don't love it, uh, I pass. At this time of the week, Ariel, it's like, you know, I'm looking in college uh, football and and Western Michigan is like a play that I like this week and Arkansas is another and I'm looking at the Falcons in the NFL. I'm so focused in on the Saturday and Sunday games that it's like a breathe easy game for me on Thursday night. I, I, I mean, I know it's boring, but I do tend to just look at the game and enjoy it as opposed to sweating these Saturday and Sunday games because, you know, having a family and having kids and everything else is like, how much of this can I do every single day? You know, driving my family nuts. Oh, Davis Mills, he threw another pick. I don't want to go through that on Thursday night. So I usually pass it. I'm just being honest. That's very fair. I mean, nobody really wants to watch Davis Mills on a Thursday night unless it's Pac-12 after dark and Stanford's pulling an upset over somebody. But, Craig, I think then you could look at certainties maybe in the prop market or a player you're going to target. For me this year, I know it's very early. That's been Cooper Cup, the receiver for the Los Angeles Rams. He has been fantastic. Are there any other guys that you have really focused in on that you're going to be looking at week after week to see what their props look like on the market? Yeah, and boy, I hate to jinx it, but I mean, I'm off to an amazing start. I mean, this this season, I have people in my leagues asking me, like, what in the bleep? Like, how did how did this end up happening that you <laughs> ended up getting these teams? And I mean, I've talked, I don't know if I've talked to, to you guys about this, but I play uh, in the Philadelphia Phillies League. So I have a partner in the with the Philadelphia Phillies that, that used to be on the team that played uh, in South Florida. And, and we have a very, very big matchup this week against somebody that may win the uh, NL MVP this year. So without getting into names and information, um, it's like, you know, I'm all in on that. The player that I mentioned here on SportsGrid all, all, all offseason and the one that, you know, I've been you know, touting quite a bit is Debo Samuel on San Francisco. And that has really worked out thus far. Now, look, I didn't know, Ben that uh, Brandon Ayuk was like in the doghouse that he was. I, I had no idea that that was the case. But I watched Debo play at South Carolina, and, and I just knew it was all about health for this guy. And he may get hurt, and that may be the end of the story. But to me, over every single week on that guy's receptions, on that guy's yardage, to me, he is the DK Metcalf of last season. 
health notwithstanding. That's always going to be a big deal. It's been a big deal for him in the first two years of the NFL. But this guy is a monster, and he is going to have a monster season. I bet over on everything that he's doing thus far this season. The other one is T. Higgins on Cincinnati. I'm fortunate to have him, and he looks like a star as well. You can catch way more Craig Mish on FSD at noon Eastern time here on Sports Grid. Craig, thanks for joining us, and good luck later today. All right. You guys have a great weekend. Thanks for having me. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out hour one on the morning after on Sports Grid. It is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Let's get to our poll. It's time for Fade the Public. Today's poll is all about Thursday night football. There's four different sides you could take, not including money lines, because this is just too heavy of a favorite to talk about. It's the Carolina Panthers laying seven and a half. You could also bet on Houston to take the plus seven and a half. You've got the over at 43 and a half and the under at 43 and a half. Which of these four ways is the public betting? Well, they think the Panthers. The public, just over 40% of them, are laying the points. Ben, are you baiting the public that this is the best way to bet the game? Such a public answer. The side here is not the best way to bet this game. In fact, I think you would, even though it's a rookie quarterback starting for the Texans, look at the home dog on a short week on Thursday night. I saw this stat this morning. Davis Mills is now the seventh rookie quarterback to make his NFL starting debut on a Thursday night game. The six before him, five and one on Thursday Ooh. night. So take that into account if you're looking at sides as well. The way to play this is looking at a total and not exactly the game total overall, but a team total. And I've said all week, I love the Texans under 17. It is now down to 16 and a half. The juice has been moving back in favor of the under. It was even money yesterday, plus 100 to the under. Now it's 16 and a half. The team total for the Texans under minus 108. So keep that in mm -hmm. mind if you're looking for a way to bet this game from a side and total perspective. Props also a great way to go. I did see that the under 16 and a half total points for Houston was at plus 100 yesterday. Seeing it go into minus makes me feel a little bit better. However, I love that stat about Thursday night football underdogs for starting rookie quarterbacks because you'd have to imagine even though the starting quarterback doesn't have as many reps because it's a short week, it's also that the defense on the other side doesn't have as much time to figure out a game plan for this quarterback that they've never seen before in the NFL. Always things to keep in mind when betting large spreads against rookies' debuts. Coming up next, it is our number two of the morning after it's our hour of chaos where we'll go through a bunch of different sports then hour three we'll give out some picks you're listening on sirius xm channel 204 the sports grid network how to spot a sports gaming winner they listen to us 